This is the podcast that flips the health and wellness industry upside down so you can be your healthiest inside and out. I'm your host, Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist and supplement strategist. Today's episode is collagen. I have a bone broth to pick with you. <laughs> That's a funny one, right? In my holistic standard, this episode is going to be supplement strategy, supplement quality standard, Vital 5. It's got all that stuff written all over it. So I'm excited today to talk to you about all of this stuff. Visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast related. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and even over on YouTube. And definitely give us five-star reviews as often as you can. Each and every episode because it helps us get seen and heard or at least that's what I'm told. So if you're tuning in for the first time, just know that I am a big fan of supplements done right, but I'm not a fan of the deceptive practices of the health and wellness industries. If I'm ranting about something while I'm educating you and my little podcast here, it's not because I'm beating you up for making those decisions. I'm raging against the machine of misinformation and hype that got someone like you down that wrong path. So just wanted to clarify that before you get upset with me. Uh, I call this next segment idle chatter and <laughs> making fun of that dude. But anyway, so like I missed you guys last week because, uh, well, a million different reasons. But the main reason was that we launched Woodstock Vitamins new site. Uh, so I'm calling it Woodstock Vitamins 2.0. Uh, it's woodstockvitamins.com if you haven't checked it out before. And we're still going pretty hard with it. In fact, as I'm recording this silly podcast, I've got the developer messaging me about all the stuff that he's working on. It's so much fun. So I'm going for an awesome site. I, I wanted at minimum to rival the big guys. Uh, I know I'm not a big guy yet, and I'm definitely uh, on my way there. Uh, but I want to really kind of take those dudes on. So I'm going, I'm going strong. So we have a ton of work on the backside after that, that we really want to make these like marketing systems hum. So that way we're giving you relevant information um, that you're not hearing everywhere else. That's really the big goal. And then, you know, as long as that works, then I'm going to go nuts, really pushing this standard of supplement quality to the next level. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it overall. It's a very draining process and I just couldn't record last week for whatever reason. So um, on the COVID front, uh, I still, I had it, as you know, it was on the show, and I still have a regular bad cough. It's still kind of productive. Um, the cough is so bad that it's actually made my reflux worse because, you know, just all the spasming in my throat. And so I'm back on the drugs, uh, not uh, proton pump inhibitors uh, for my reflux, but the lean, just because, like, the rappers are talking about it, and I look really cool drinking it. <laughs> Uh, my muscles are finally back from COVID. That was the one thing was like 10 days afterwards. I would try to go to the gym and I'd be there, have the energy and the motivation to do it. It's just my muscles weren't responding. I could only lift about 60% of what I normally could. And I felt like I was doing 20% over. So that was an interesting kind of thing to see. And I, you know, I feel bad for folks that have that long COVID stuff where that follows them and like the fuzzy foggy thinking and all that other stuff that just kind of you know, goes into perpetuity, it seems. So, um, you know, just uh, that's my little feedback. So that's it. That's idle chatter for the day. I just wanted to, you know, make this a personal thing. This is me, right? <laughs> so today's show is collagen. I've got a bone broth to pick with you. So I've got something important to say here. Collagen is a trendy, trendy product that actually has some substance. It's my choice among Vital 5 proteins, and I personally believe it should be a part of every omnivore diet. 
right? But it was also one of the trendiest products in recent times. Uh, it was quickly eclipsed, of course, by CBD for a very rocking summer of sedation. <laughs> a bunch of Americans very excited about smoking weed. <laughs> so they were like, this is a proxy. Let's get some CBD. And then once CBD kind of took over, nobody talked about collagen. But then, of course, CBD got bumped for that little, uh, you know, it's only a flu thing that everybody was dealing with. So, you know, uh, here's the thing. The reason I say this is because... It's important to always remember uh, trends in the wellness industry almost never pan out. I can point to probably seven in the past even half decade that have fallen flat. And collagen is, you know, the first one where there's actually something there. And I can say that as somebody who like didn't rush in and say, oh, wow, a new trend collagen. I sat on the sidelines and I waited until we saw what it really was and like, how do we assess if it's a good product? And is there any actual data to support its use? And then are there anecdotes of people finding success with it, you know, in my own practice? And I found all of that. And so I found that and I'm an advocate for collagen as a part of your nutritional plan. I've made it one of the vital five and I believe that there's enough there to say that nearly everyone would benefit and consider it first before any other supplement. But here's a warning. We have to be aware that the success of a trendy product may lower our defenses against that wave after wave after wave of trendy bad supplements that we should totally avoid. And so the benefits and the success of collagen are very exciting, but don't let that bad roommate in your head tell you that the next trend might just be that next collagen. So you got to try it, you know, because there's ample evidence uh, of past performance uh, that it definitely almost entirely won't be. So today I'm going to talk about nine common collagen questions and I'm going to answer them. So I'm going to break this up into four different segments, the collagen basics, the collagen science, types of collagen and how to buy collagen. So we're going to kind of skim the surface, go through some of the most common questions that I get, and you know, hopefully you'll be a better person because of it, or at least you'll be a better collagen buyer. You'll probably still be a horrible, horrible person. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I'm sorry. All right, okay, so let's get right to it. The collagen basics. All right, so in this one, we're going to cover three questions. Question one is, what is collagen? Question two, how are gelatin and bone, bone broth related to collagen? And question three is, how much collagen is too much? All right, here we go. So uh, what is collagen? And uh, a similar question that I get is, how is collagen different than proteins? And so each question actually answers the other because collagen is a protein. So this is kind of like a rectangle square conversation. Collagen's a protein and a protein can be collagen, but not all proteins are collagen, right? <laughs> so a protein is a chain of amino acids. That's it. So some amino acids are essential. They have to come from our diet because our body doesn't make them, right? So collagen is a protein and it's a source of amino acids and it has some of those essential amino acids in it. So the thing about collagen that makes it special is the type of amino acids, their amounts, it's slightly different than most other proteins. And as a result, the arrangement of those molecules in 3D space are different than your normal proteins. And so if we were to compare them like molecularly, like under a microscope, most proteins have a ball kind of shape, like they're round and globular. And so collagen are stick-like. It's like I call it a baseball bat and a baseball. That's how I kind of uh, think about them. Uh, but it's really because of that unique 
mix of amino acids that gives it that unique structure, shape, right? Which then, you know, results in collagen being used as a building block for everything structural in our bodies. So our bones are collagen, the lining of our guts are collagen, and our hair, skin, and nails are all collagen. So the structure of our body comes from collagen because of that unique arrangement that makes it kind of stick-like so then they can make, it's like Minecraft, you can start making buildings out of the stuff. So, and then how this translates to diet is pretty simple. You know, muscles are where you get the regular proteins. So if you eat a muscle from a animal, uh, you're going to get those regular globular proteins, mostly, almost entirely. Um, but the bones, the ligaments, the connective tissues, the lining of the gut, that's all the collagen. So if you were to sit down and chew on the ligaments of an animal or the cartilage of an animal, you'd be eating collagen, right? But that's gross. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't suck on like a chicken comb. <laughs> so question two is, how are collagen, gelatin, and bone broth all connected? Because they're always kind of lumped together. And so again, the basics here, right? Collagen and gelatin are the same thing. And let me kind of explain that. So in order for us to ingest collagen, it has to be processed from those long strands that make up all of the structure of our body into smaller components called collagen peptides. So they're, think of a collagen peptide as like a fragment of that big baseball bat that's making up or the scaffolding of your, of your structural parts of your body. And so to break down collagen, it's normally a process called hydrolyzation. And so that's where you'll see hydrolyzed collagen peptides. And so if you go too far with your hydrolysis, um, uh, which, you know, again, just to say hydrolysis is basically exposing a chemical to water in a very specific way. Um, it, it breaks it apart into those collagen peptides, but you can go too far where the properties of it kind of are permanent. So when you take a collagen stick and break it into collagen peptides, it makes it kind of sticky, hard to mix in water. And then if you go even farther, it becomes irreversible. It's permanently now this other thing. And that other thing is gelatin. So gelatin is just, I don't know, like burnt brownies, <laughs> but, but burnt is a bad uh, example. But that's, that's the connection between collagen and gelatin. And so, you know, just think of it like been sitting in the pot of water for too long, right? So bone broth is food. Um, so it's simple to say, right? But we get lost in the supplement terminology game. So we think of bone broth supplements. We're like, what the heck is that? But we know what a bone broth is. You make a bone broth in your kitchen. You know, you put the chicken in a pot, you put some veggies and salt, like uh, Bugs Bunny used to do to all those people, right? Throw them into the pot and just kind of sit there. Just simmer there for a little bit, right? Um, so you, you slowly cook it over a long period of time. And then the collagen from the bones and the connective tissues kind of leaches into the water, breaks down because of hydrolysis. And then some of that collagen that's now free is ingestible and then some of that gets turned into gelatin and the result is a nice kind of thick soup that's rich in proteins and specifically collagen proteins vitamins minerals all that good stuff it's a good healthy food and so bone broth if we were to think about it is just a food source of both collagen and gelatin and bone broth was a huge part of our diet for some time right the post-war generation wasted nothing and they often didn't have much, so they used everything. And I believe that we were better for it, at least nutritionally. You know, bone broth and collagen-rich food is really rarely ever eaten by any of us. Um, so, you know, here's my nutritional advice regarding collagen, because I think this is a good place to kind of drop that in there. You know, if you're thinking, is collagen right for me? I want you to just take a step back. 
right? Don't focus on collagen supplements, but instead focus on what collagen is, which is a protein. So your protein goals, that's what we've talked about a bunch of times here when we've talked nutritionally uh, on the podcast. Figure out what your protein goals are. Figure out how much you eat of protein and then determine if there's a gap. My goal is 100, I eat 80, there's a gap of 20, right? To fill that gap, I want you to incorporate homemade bone broth into your diet regularly. That's a great way to fill that gap. Eat the food first. But in the days that you can't or won't do bone broth, then supplement with collagen. We have to close our protein gap. You know, we can use collagen as that thing to close that protein gap. We've talked about um, why protein is a vital five. It's because there's a lot of folks walking around with a protein gap. They don't even know what their goals are and they're not hitting them, right? So that we can supplement with regular proteins. But my suggestion is to lead off with collagen because it's such a rarely consumed thing, right? And it has those unique properties, more of which we'll talk about in a moment. And so, you know, eat the food first and then make sure that you supplement those healthy behaviors, right? If you have no protein gap, there's a strategy for you too. You know, use the collagen and the bone broth to cross that line, right? Get you over your protein goal. And if you are over your protein goal and you don't want to add any more proteins, sub it out. Instead of eating a piece of chicken, have some bone broth, and then you can use collagen on the days that you're not doing that. It's a very simple kind of strategy on how to incorporate collagen into your diet and why we need it because of the, the protein benefits, right? So the last piece that I'll say here is that, you know, um, when people read about collagen, they get all excited about it and they want to add it to their diet. So, of course, we can't just do a little bit of anything. It's got to always be a lot. So the question that I get a lot is, well, how much collagen can I eat? <laughs> and it's like, uh, like all of it? I don't know. But, you know, as, lo as long as you're dissolving the collagen you know, in, in, in water <laughs> and drinking it and not doing like collagen powder shots and like doing this really messed up sticky cinnamon challenge thing. <laughs> I'm okay with it, you know, because, you know, you, I don't want you coming in with like powder on your lips. Like I just love collagen, <laughs> you know, besides the social norms, there are actual limits here to how much collagen you should be eating on a regular basis. And this is a piece of information that I think is very valuable to folks because, you know, we often talk about why well, like I should take it. We don't normally talk about how much I should take. And we certainly don't talk about, well, what's too much, right? We always kind of want to go big. And so co collagen does have an upper limit, right? Uh, you know, I don't want you to exclusively eat collagen. Um, it's considered an incomplete protein. And so therefore, it's going to lack some essential amino acids. And, you know, like five, 10 years ago, there was a whole hubbub about you have to eat only complete proteins. Every time you eat a protein, it has to be complete. So if you have an incomplete protein, it's got to be balanced with an incomplete protein. Otherwise, you're going to be a bad person. And it's not that big of a deal anymore. We see now clearly that we get enough of the amino acids throughout the day that ingesting incomplete proteins it's fine. Like our total goal, our goal for the day is to get the total amount of amino acids via the proteins. And that's where all those numbers kind of come from. But there is a paper that's been published, uh, which I'll link in the show notes, that has tested the intake of collagen up to 36%. So that's actually a lot, like a third of your day just coming exclusively from collagen, which I've just said should only be like really like a substitute to get you over the line or at least a serving a day. But you can take up to 36%. And even though that's a huge chunk of your protein and it's all incomplete, you'll still be healthy. 
And they've even stretched it in that document and say, you can technically probably do half of your dietary intake from collagen um, and still be safe. So I, I guess what I would say is like set those thresholds as your max. It shouldn't be more than a third, let's say, of your total daily intake on any day. So if your goal is 100, you shouldn't be doing more than 33 grams of collagen any single day. And again, that's just saying, like, we don't want to push it. And 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 really, the, the important thing to know is, like, there's the science here about you're going to be fine if you do it. The point I want to make that I want you to remember is that you're not going to be eating bone broth to get all of that. You're going to be taking a supplement and supplements are gross. <laughs> so if you're taking multiple uh, doses of collagen uh, on a regular basis, you have to remember that collagen is coming from animals and animals eat the ground and everything's gross. So you can have arsenic and heavy metals like lead in your collagen. And if you take multiple servings a day, you really run the risk of exceeding the intake amounts on those kinds of things. So it's important to consider. So yes, you can take collagen. You can go all in on collagen. You can make collagen a big part of your day. But I think that there's a better strategy. I think that if everybody kind of sticked to a simple 20 gram a day limit, and you know that's about 18 grams of total protein, and then split that up, you can get the benefits of taking multiple servings of collagen a day, where you know we'll talk about in a moment about how it helps out with gut health and such. So I think that, you know, Splitting the daily dose of collagen, keeping the ceiling at around 20 grams, preferably no more than 40 grams if you're a big dude or, you know, like a, a person that has higher protein goals, that's fine. But just know that, you know, the real late rate limiting step here is going to be the arsenic and lead that could potentially be found in your collagen supplements. All right, let's talk about the collagen science. Um, there's actually just one question that's kind of covered in here, but it's a big question, and it's, does collagen help? <laughs> uh, that's a simple answer, right? So, <laughs> But really, like, I wish that that was the question that I was answered. I wish that was the way that uh, people thought about supplements, um, collagen in particular, right? Because the real question that I get is, why would you say that collagen isn't as magical as everyone else on the internet selling me collagen is leading me to believe? Because <laughs> that's really what people say to me. Like, why aren't you like completely addicted to this stuff and telling me that it's going to cure everything, right? So we talk about the hype of supplements and wellness products quite a bit. So is collagen hype at the end of the day? And I've already hinted that I don't think that. Um, you know, I, I say stuff like collagen is the main structural protein. And then you start to make those direct connections. You say, well, if it's a structural protein, you know, more collagen in the diet, boom, I'm going to have this luscious hair and Wolverine fingernails. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the skincare industry certainly sells that. You know, it's uh, collagen is this miracle ingredient for anti-aging and for skin. And there's this whole anti-aging community, consumers and influencers alike, that say that collagen is one of those fountain of youth products. And so the notion of anti-aging is just really, really funny to me. Like, aren't we all anti-aging? <laughs> Do you want to age, right? I've already had my midlife crisis. So am I officially anti-aging? Like now, am I anti-aging? I've had four midlife crises, I think, over the past couple of years. So I think I'm a grand wizard <laughs> in this community. Um, you know, like who the heck is pro-aging? pro, pro aging? <laughs> 
it reminds me of like during the pandemic, we had, uh, you know, like a, a billion people we've immunized. I think we've given 70,000 doses we've given. So like 50,000 people are like, I'm not a fan of needles. Yeah, dude, you're 12. And if you were, that'd be a real problem, right? So, you know, we should be doing something more about that than getting a vaccine, right? Uh, you know, but personally, yes, I'm anti-aging. Uh, I don't consider myself as a member of the anti-aging community because I think I'm smarter than that. You know, because I'm not anti-aging just blanketly. Right. I I wasn't very hot at six. <laughs> so I don't want my aging to go back to then. I, I want to like like whatever age, like 25, where I was like in the best shape and I wasn't a minor. I think that's the best. So I'm the leader of that anti-aging community. Does collagen work? No. It doesn't work. No, of course it works. It's not magical, though. That's what we want to know. Of course, it's not a fountain of youth product. That's insane, right? Uh, it's even more dramatic than that, though, about collagen not being magical. Collagen isn't special. Uh, it's just a protein. At the end of the day, it's an amino acid blend. That's what it is. An amino acid is an amino acid. And the wellness industry sells us this myth that when we swallow collagen, we absorb collagen. And then your body goes, oh, snap, look at all that collagen. Let's put it directly on this dude's scalp so that way he doesn't have to go get a transplant and do a whole podcast episode about it, right? It's not the case. You know, when we absorb a protein and most macronutrients as well, we break them down into smaller and smaller components. And those components, in this case, amino acids, they look no different of the components from any other similar protein source. So your body doesn't tag them as like collagen derived. It says, you know, it's not like, oh, that's the bean, bean amino acids and that's the Big Mac amino acids. Oh, those are the collagen ones. Use those for the lips, right? That's not how it works. You know, the influx of raw materials then goes into storage, a warehouse. And then your body says it's time to make collagen and it pulls from the warehouse and it decides, you know, if it wants to use it. Right. But, you know, taking collagen doesn't make your body want to or be able to make more collagen, at least no more than eating any other healthy proteins would. And while it's great to get exposed to those specific amino acids and those specific doses, at the end of the day, it's just a protein. And so there's no data right now that says collagen helps your hair, skin, and nail health or beauty over eating healthy or meeting other protein goals. That doesn't mean that collagen doesn't have lots of benefits. So collagen in my eyes is not that special, but it's kind of special. And I, I, this is probably COVID talking and that broke my brain or something like that. I don't know. But collagen is my choice for protein, which is one of my vital five nutrients. And that says a lot, right? So why do I love collagen? Well, it's very simple. The first reason is that it's a protein. And as someone who counsels people on a regular basis about nutrition, we stink at meeting protein goals. And, you know, there's this rhetoric that American diets are rich in protein, and a lot of people are, but there's a ton of people that aren't even aware of the goal or hitting the goal. So extra protein from collagen or otherwise is great. So meet those goals. And, the second thing, the reason, the second reason I love collagen is because of our tummies. There's a kid's book, Everybody Poops. I think they need to change the title for 2023, which is uh, Everybody Poops or at least tries to. <laughs> I love poop jokes. <laughs> Most of us have messed up guts. And in my practice that I found that a diet rich in collagen helps. Okay. So we had been talking about like collagen and you know where it's found it's a structural protein and i kind of quickly said that it's found in the lining of the gut and you know what i also said just recently that when we absorb collagen our body doesn't use the collagen it breaks it down and that's it right so there's 
this influx of usable molecules right at the lining of the gut. And so they decide that they're going to skip over the warehouse logistics and start using the stuff because it's right there. And so that's kind of the current theory about how collagen is so beneficial to gut health. And I'm not kind of speculating here. I have lots and lots of experience with it because like you, I've eaten chicken soup when my tummy hurts. And, you know, Grammy helped us out with that. So, you know, you know that if you have a gelatin or collagen rich thing, it settles an upset stomach. It's a part of um, bone broths and soups are a part of healing during illness where everything's kind of inflamed and gross, especially, you know, GI stuff. So I encourage collagen as a protein source, especially in people that have yuck gut, that bloating, digestion, irritation, inflammation of the gut. That's what I'm kind of promoting and pushing. And there's another subset of people that I talk to about collagen and why it's so beneficial, and that's patients undergoing chemo or radiation. So when they come to see me and they have problems, you know, I'm not being nourished and I want to eat more because I know that's what's important here. I'll have to, you know, check with their doctor, but I'll clear the collagen. I'll say, is it okay for this person to eat more bone broth and or take a collagen supplement? Of course, most of them are cool with it. And, you know, my whole thing is the lining of the gut is the stuff that's the rapidly dividing cells that are being attacked by chemotherapy and radiation. So by just ingesting that, it settles the gut and allows them to eat more, which then will help them with their treatments and their condition. So I love collagen. Uh, collagen is a superfood of sorts, right? And it's it's a superfood in the way that all superfoods become superfoods. They're just food. They're regular foods that we don't eat. We don't eat foods. We eat hyper-processed garbage most of the time. So when we do eat a superfood or a real food, it's super. And so collagen isn't magical, but because it's so rare in our diets, it certainly feels magical uh, when we finally incorporate it into our wellness practices. <laughs> Okay, so let's now go to section three, types of collagen. Oh, what are all the different types of collagen? There's more than one type. I don't know, there's too much going on. All right, so there's three questions I'm going to cover here. Is there a vegan collagen? Do the types of collagen actually matter? And what's this type two collagen stuff that everybody's talking about? So question number five of the day out of nine is, is there a vegan collagen? So, you know, Neil, you keep talking about animals. <laughs> I'm not into animals. Uh, I still want all these wonderful health benefits. What can you do for me, right? Um, so I, I can say I'm sorry because collagen comes from animals exclusively. From the skins, the bones, the hooves, the hides, the joints, the cartilage, the cowhide, the chicken comb, the skins, the bones, fish scales, all the throwaway stuff from fish, animal organs, and eggs. That's where you get collagen from, period, right? Those things themselves aren't very yummy, <laughs> except maybe eggs and organ meats if you're a weird person and eat organ meats regularly. No, you totally should be. Like organ meats would save the day. If you ate more organ meats, you would have lots of great nutrients that you're not exposed to like collagen. So incorporate organ meats, but that's a hard argument to sell. Just drink bone broth, right? So, you know, those things are processed to remove and concentrate the collagen, right? And you might say to me, but Neil, I just Googled this, dude. And it says that collagen sources are things like citrus foods or dark leafy green vegetables. And I have to say back to that, that's bull. <laughs> There's no collagen in these compounds. Collagen is animal only. But in these foods, of course, are compounds that are used in the body to make collagen. So that sounds like it makes sense. So okay, eat more of that, then I'll make more collagen. There's a catch. If you had high levels of micronutrients 
That doesn't stimulate collagen production. And if it did, that'd be a real problem, right? You know, you're taking 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C to boost your immune system, and your body goes, hot damn, let's make some sexy lips. Like, that would be awesome if you could do both of those things, but of course you can't. You know, I, I think of that meme with the, the women from the TV commercial. Like, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works, right? That's when people talk about vegan collagen. That's my, my go-to meme and thought, right? So we, we really wish that our bodies did that. And we wish that our bodies had, like, this advanced processing where they can, like, solve this one particular issue, right? Imagine, like, I take vitamin C and it gives me collagen where I need it, right? Because essentially what would happen is... Every time you eat an orange, your gut would harden because it would create collagen right there and you would have like a really like meshy, almost metallic gut, right? It's not like that. And so, you know, I'll say that, of course, there are diseases related to nutrition that cause people to not produce collagen, but that's way more serious than the casual stuff that we're talking about here. Nutrition can play a role, of course, in some of this, but, you know, but the, it's extreme. Malnourishment is normally what happens. And I mean malnourishment. And if collagen production is part of that complex of problems, you have way more things to be concerned about than, you know, the aesthetics. So one more notion while we're talking about this, you know, like on this thought train here, you can also overproduce collagen. There are genetic disorders where that happens, uh, but it's not something where it's going to happen if you don't have those kinds of like genetic abnormalities, right? You know, it's not going to make you have luscious hair. It's, it's going to be a real problem otherwise. So there, there are folks that have to deal with that. Um, and that's out of the scope of what we're talking about here today. So the idea, though, that collagen supporting supplements um, exist that, you know, have things that improve your collagen production. That's an absolute sham. And the idea that there are vegan collagen products is a lie. And I think collagen is important. But I get why people avoid animal products. So there's no collagen for vegans. And it's an unfortunate reality. And the thing that I have found is that some folks get really testy about that notion. I can present all of this information and all of that. And folks get really defensive and say that I'm wrong. And I'm not. Unfortunately, like it's just a biology thing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important that everybody ingest enough proteins, whether they're vegan or not, and ingest lots of micronutrients and healthy foods. But the collagen thing is out. And, you know, you might find that the benefits, the reasons that you're using collagen as a vegan is for the same things, the hair, skin, and nails, and the protein, and the gut health, and all, health and all of that stuff. There are mechanisms to have those things happen from the protein alone, as I mentioned before. So you could be taking a regular protein supplement that's plant-based and cross those protein goals and then have healthier hair, healthier skin, healthier nails, all of that stuff. I just don't want you to believe the marketing misinformation, right? I don't want you to spend that money and I don't want you to have that false hope. All right, so question number six, do collagen types matter? What do I mean by that? Well, here's a marketing quote that I want to read to you because it's a favorite of mine, right? It's, it's, this is pulled from not just some random site. This is pulled from like a top collagen site, okay? With over 16 different known collagen fiber types, and technically there's 30, collagen users must be aware that each type plays a different role within the body. Therefore, expecting a collagen supplement to work miracles without researching the formula first is a quick way to not have expectations met. That is a complete lie. 
period. And that's a marketing thing that on a well-regarded website. So the insinuation here is that you need to have a very specific mix of very specific types of collagen, of which not 16, but again, 30. 30 different types of collagen have been identified. And the type of collagen is more indicative of where it's found than other sciencey kind of stuff. There are five types of collagen that are most prominent that people will interact with. Type 1, type 2, type 3, type 4, and type 5. That's what it is. So like you'll see a collagen product and it'll say type 1 and 3. That's what it means. And what it means is type 1 has come from tendons and organs and bone and vasculature and skin. Type 2 is mostly cartilage. Type 3 is normally found you know, in the reticulate, which is found around all of the stuff from type 1. So that's why type 1 and type 3 are often together. It's because they're found together and you, it's really difficult to separate them. Type 4 is found in the gut, that basal lumina. So it's under the epithelium, the lining of the gut. It strengthens the tube. And type 5 is the stuff that you get in your hair and your skin and your nails, man. So that's, that's it. So at the end of the day, though, that amino acid profile for each of the different types is negligibly different. So the most common type of collagen that you'll ingest is going to be type 1 and type 3 because they're found together. And this is going to be the most common found in humans in general because they're found everywhere and in the supplements that you buy. And by micromanaging the collagen types, you're not going to really have any advantage or benefit. So it's best to just find a great type 1 and type 3 collagen because that's probably where you're going to find the best value. So on that same subject, there is this other question, question 7, which is, what's this type 2 collagen stuff, right? Because type 2 collagen is a unique type of collagen that's been promoted for um, health of the joints, and so I'm going to throw this picture up on the screen here. This is uh, actually from one of our products, and it has in it B2Cool native collagen type 2. And you'll notice a couple things about it, right? Uh, it's not type 1 and type 3, like I said. <laughs> and you would think that since type 2 is found in the joints, it's going to help out with the joints, so I should take it if I have joint pain, right? And that makes a lot of sense. But here's the thing, right? Collagen supplementation is about the protein. And it's normally measured in grams, and there's normally lots of them. So it's not one gram, it's nine grams to 18 grams you know, a in a typical day or a typical serving even. Uh, the type 2 collagen is dosed at less than 500 milligrams. So we're actually talking about two very, very different things. When we're talking about type 2 collagen, especially the ones found in commercial products, it's not collagen, it's called undenatured collagen. And so it's often referred to as undenatured type 2 collagen or UC2. And so we don't use type 2 collagen like we do all the other kinds of collagens, which is a protein supplement. We're using it to train our body's immune system to stop attacking its own collagen. So the process of using UC2, UC2 collagen is called oral tolerance. Uh, so it's kind of like you know when you have an allergy and you give yourself small shots of it on a regular basis, it's training your immune system to chill out you can kind of do the same thing with this UC2 collagen. Now, uh, using UC2 collagen for specific attempts with helping with joint pain, but not protein supplementation or collagen supplementation is fine, but I don't think that it's something that you should start out with. Uh, remember, supplement strategy is about prioritization based on the science. And if you check out my joint health blog, which is hilarious, it's got lots of mentions of marijuana, pictures of Snoop Dogg, drneil.co forward slash joint health, 
you'll find out what my strategy is and where UC2 fits into that. So I think it's on my holistic care plan, but it's not first wave or second wave or even third wave in some situations. So that's the difference between type 2 collagen and the collagen supplements that we're really talking about, which is more about protein. All right, so let's now go to the last section of our podcast, Buying Collagen. Uh, there are two questions here that I want to answer. Uh, what should I know quality-wise about collagen supplements? And two, how do I buy collagen? So let's get right into the quality stuff with collagen. This stuff is going to blow your mind. I'm, gonna, I'm making a promise here that this is going to be life-changing information, I'm telling you. So... There are two main considerations when we talk about quality in supplements, uh, to be you know frank, it's like all of them, uh, but with collagen in particular, it's adulteration and contamination. So first, adulteration. And that doesn't mean that your collagen supplement's going to sleep with your husband. It means that the product's been modified and it isn't what it says it is, right? That's what really what that means. So you know, back in our multivitamin episode, I taught you something. And I taught you that like just looking at the supplement facts panel and doing a little bit of basic math and scratching your head and going, does that sound realistic? We'll show you how intentionally fraudulent these freaking companies are, right? And that was a big deal. That was an important chunk of information. And I hope what it did was change the way that you looked at supplements. So now I'm going to give you another one of those. And this is, this is what it is. How do we test the product? And more importantly, how do we test the product to guarantee it is what it says it is? If you remember back to my quality episode when I was talking with Mark Ullman, the uh, supplement quality lawyer, we were talking about uh, the New York Attorney General did a study of randomly selected herbs across New York pharmacies and vitamin stores and found that 85% of them had no active ingredient in them. And they weren't doing any testing uh, that certainly weren't that was effective uh, to prove that the product actually had what was claimed on the label. And so there are specific tests for specific ingredients that must be done to verify the components. Now, here's an important piece of information. With proteins, the test is they break down the product and then measure the amino acid content. So I'm going to say that again a little bit differently. They don't look at the protein, right? They're not looking to say, ooh, there's a protein. Ooh, there's a collagen protein, right? They break the thing down into the original amino acids. And guess what's cheaper than protein? Synthetic isolated amino acids that you'd find in like pharmaceutical products and stuff like that, right? So I can make a mix of cheap chemical amino acids that resembles the profile of any protein, collagen included, and it could pass the test. And that's the scary part. So we are not testing products to measure collagen. We're testing them to say that, yes, this product has the amino acid profile that resembles collagen. And that's an important differentiation because if you're claiming to have collagen, you really, really, really can't prove that there's actually collagen in there unless you're transparent about your supply chain, right? And if you're claiming that you have type 1, 4, and 6 because your marketing says that our certain formulation is better for you, there's no way that you can prove it because there's no test to differentiate between the different types of collagen because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is test the individual components, right? So you could be buying a product that says that it's collagen, but, you know, uh, it's not right? Or you can be buying a product that says it's a specific type of collagen, but it's not, 
right? You could be buying products that aren't even collagen. You could be buying a product that is collagen, but it's diluted with different types of collagen or other proteins. Or you could be buying something that's just mostly amino acids. So that's something I think is kind of important to understand about the supplement industry. So not only is it about the claims and reading the labels and understanding that testing needs to be done, it's understanding how that actually applies to this specific thing that you're dealing with. And protein is, you know, when we talk about the vital five, we talk about the five deceptions of the the industry. And that's kind of, you know, a little hint. That's where my book is going to be, is talking about those five deceptions along with the vital five. Transparency is, is, is the problem here. In order to know that you have a good protein, a good collagen, you need transparency. And we don't have that. And it's very difficult to be the only company that has transparency in a world where transparency doesn't exist. So the second quality issue is contamination. It's something that we alluded to earlier. You know, this is an animal protein. Animals eat grass and all of that fun stuff. And we've torched the planet. (laughs) Arsenic and lead are a real problem because of acid rain and all the horrible stuff that we've done. So we have to be aware that, you know, there is going to be heavy metals found in these products. Um, So we have to be aware of it. And then, you know, we also have to be aware that there's another side to it, that you want to minimize your exposure you know, by all means, always do that. But the point is, is to understand what your daily intake is and making sure that that's below that acceptable threshold. That's where we were talking about with collagen. While your product might be under the threshold, if you have 10 of them, it's no longer under that threshold. So it's an important kind of, uh, you know, two dots to connect. Those limits uh, are aggressive. We can claim that, you know, our government doesn't do enough about certain things, but, you know, does every government not do enough about certain things? And there are governments that are certainly, you know, more, uh, I guess, uh, you know, like strict with their requirements. And so when we look at supplements and we set our specifications for them, we're looking at what the EPA is saying and what our regulatory bodies say. But then we're also looking at the other ones and seeing if there's a mechanism to find the most aggressive and meet that as our standard. And so I would say that the EPA is right on point with heavy metal stuff. Um, you know, <clears throat> the, it's similar to the countries and, you know, the, the science bodies globally. So even if you don't trust governments, there are consensus bodies out there that say that this is safe and okay for people, right? So we have to be concerned from a quality perspective about the heavy metal contamination. And we have to be concerned about, is this collagen actually collagen at the end of the day? And that both of those things only come from transparency. So question nine, the big one, how do I buy collagen? I've got all this great information. I'm excited about it because Neil says it's that important and it's a great protein that could potentially help my gut, but then also expose me to all these things that I don't eat as much as I should and my grandmother did. So what can I do to buy a good product now, now that I know all this information? So, you know, let's do this in the manner that I do it, which is using my supplement quality standard. It's going from top to bottom, right? And we normally start out with the science, but this time I'm gonna start out with the virtues. Uh, So the supplement quality standard talks about the science, the compliance, the virtues, and the value. So we're going to first talk about virtues. Collagen is an animal product, you know, so the way that the animals are fed and the cattle's raised and all, you you know, how they're treated, that stuff matters. And there are countries outside of the United States that have much better standards for how they care for their cows, their chickens, their pigs, all of that stuff. So, you know, we want to find countries that are in those environments. And we want to know that those countries uh, are specifically monitoring uh, those farms that we're dealing with. So, you know, 
here's the other thing. Like if we were to keep it real, the idea that the the animals are treated properly only matters when we're trying to be the best people that we can be and try to be as responsible as we can be, which is an important thing, of course, and not like only, but like that's that's where that falls in. Because a clean collagen from an abused animal place could look identical to one where the cow was raised at a spa. Because at the end of the day, it's collagen. And if it's clean, that's all that matters. So the collagen that has no low lead or low arsenic that was made properly and isn't overprocessed or diluted or contaminated or any of that other stuff is the same as that spa collagen, you know? And in fact, one could argue that the spa collagen could be the bad product because it's not meeting all of those other components of the supplement quality standard. So that's why when we talk about quality, it's not just about one of these things, it's about all of these things. So, you know, I I would say we should be demanding higher standards at every end. So let's push for ethics to be high in the companies that we deal with. So the second thing is compliance. So this is that legal minimum. So are they making the product up to specifications and following the legal requirements that nobody's really monitoring, but only become a problem if you really, really screw up, right? Remember? So that's why when somebody talks about good manufacturing, I don't really care um, because like you can you can say you're doing good manufacturing and it doesn't matter at the end of the day because you're not being audited by anybody and like your product still sucks. So um, you know, so we want folks to be testing for heavy metals and we want that transparency, right? We want to know what those levels are, but more importantly, as consumers, we have to understand how to use those numbers. You know, a company that posts their numbers and you see that there's arsenic in it, and then you buy from another company that doesn't have the numbers up there isn't fair. Or if one company says that their number is eight, and then that company says their number is six, doesn't mean that that product's better because it's all under 10, right? That's what really matters. So we have to take it all into consideration. And what I'm saying is, is that we just need to know and we need to know how to apply that and where to find these answers. Um, and, you know, the, but the bigger thing from compliance, as I was saying, is about the transparency in the supply chain, because we can't test to see, is it really collagen? We need a company that's saying, nope, this is where the thing's coming from. And this is how we know that this is actually collagen and not some fake product, right? A third component of the uh, supplement quality standard is the science component. And this is the big one for me because it's the one that's often forgotten. There are a number of different collagens that you can buy. And so which one will give you the best therapeutic effect? Um, So we already said that one in three is, you know, pretty much what you're going to get. And the rest is irrelevant. So that's, you know, decision number one, one in three is fine. Uh, But really, I kind of what I'm going to uh, getting at is that, there are a number of different types of collagen within that. So uh, that type of collagen is more the animal source. So where is the collagen coming from that we're getting the type one and three from anyway? So there are normally three here, but I'm going to talk about four. So bovine, so cows, usually from the hides and then the hooves too. Uh, You can have marine collagen, which is from fish bones and scales. And then you can have chicken collagen, which is the combs and the bones. So none are better than the other, right? Uh, so the collagen from uh, cow hoof is the same practically as the collagen from the chicken comb. No different, right? The thing uh, about it is, uh, you know, it, it clearly takes more chickens to make the same amount of collagen that a, a single cowhide could give you. And as a result, the dose and the value of the things change. And so bovine is going to be more concentrated with larger serving sizes for less price. And 
that's important. So I put a little table up here on the screen and it's kind of comparing some of the the sources of collagen, the types of collagen from the animal source, the yield typically, and then the value, how much these things normally cost per gram. And so the important point here is to say like, I don't think that you should be spending more than eight cents per gram on your collagen because that's pretty much where you'll get a really good quality collagen. Um, and that's pretty much what it takes to get to a really good quality collagen, about eight cents per gram. Uh, if you go more, it's not like you're getting something better. It's just you're overpaying technically. So my vote, go for beef. I think that's the, the best mix of the all of the stuff. Um, I did mention that there were four types, and I just put a chart up about three. And this is a, a weird thing. Uh, the type four that you could use, the fourth source of animal um, collagen products, is a complex, a collagen complex. And this comes down to marketing. This is the same thing that we saw in those multivitamin bottles with all those different ingredients there. It's just to make it look like it's better than its competitors. It makes it look like a collagen complex is like, here's bovine and chicken and eggs and whatever. Um, all that's doing is making the list longer so it looks more robust. It looks more comprehensive. It's a, it's a crock. It's just a marketing thing. They're just trying to make it look, you know, American. Bigger is better. So in summary, I think that bovine is going to be the best bang for your buck. You want to vet the brand to make sure that they're very much aware of what their supply chain actually is, both from an ethical standpoint and from a quality standpoint. And then you're going to want to ask for heavy metal tests and understand what they mean. You know, um, I'm going to link for you the FDA website on arsenic, and that'll be in the show notes. And you can kind of check that out and, you know, educate yourself on, you know, how much arsenic you should have in a day. And then you can use that information to better inform your product buying decisions. And of course, I've got a plug. I sell collagen. You better believe I've done all this research because I just spent an hour talking about it. Um, so you can check out our collagen peptides. I'm hoping by the time this airs, they'll be back in stock because we had a quality issue. Yeah, we do all the time. Uh, we uh, did a little uh, inspection and found that it wasn't up to specifications. And so we pulled it from the market, refunded everybody, took everybody's products back. And we've been trying to get the stuff to come in. And you know what? It's post-COVID. So like there's supply chain issues and it stinks. But anyway, our collagen peptides, awesome stuff. I'm pretty proud of it, actually. Um, so that's it. There's your nine questions answered about collagen, more than you probably ever wanted to know, but I hope you're better equipped at making collagen buying decisions. So that does it for this week's podcast episode. Take a few minutes, give us a five-star review, and share the podcast to your social feeds. Visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast. Visit woodstockvitamins.com for all things supplement. And remember, being our healthiest starts with being honest about ourselves and the health and wellness industry. Then blazing a new path, marching forward one step at a time. I'm Dr. Neil Smoller, and I've got your back. Thanks for joining me. 